Season 3, episode 26 of The Burncast. <laughs> My name is Ben Drew, and I'm joined by... Tyler Smith. And Alex Ritchie. And we're excited to be here. I gotta say, Tyler, it's nice to have you back. It's good to be yes. back. It's good to be back. Uh, Ben's not here. He's getting ready for his big uh, uh, golf tournament. Yes. So, good luck to him and all the participants this weekend. Yeah. Good on Benton, making the world, uh, making the golf world spin in Yarmouth. He's yeah. Heavily involved over there. I've heard from many sources that without Benton, golf wouldn't be in Yarmouth. You know what I mean? Like, he brought this fad. Is it a fad of golfing? or? Uh, yeah. I, think I would call it'll, it a trend. Pass. A trend, yeah. No, I think, I think there's a lot, of, a lot of people who've fallen diehard into golf because of mm-hmm. the way the last year went. And I think it's become, I think it's become a culture. Yeah. yeah. Benton. Uh, it's definitely started. a trend more than a fad. So, and and Benton's at the helm. He, he's part of the uh, he's part of the <laughs> the overseeing group over there. So good on him for being uh, being involved at a good time for the golf course. Yes, yeah. good for him. Yeah. <laughs> so what's new, guys? What's going on in your lives? It's been uh, well. I've had this Monday is when hockey for me starts going again. So mm. I've had a couple of weeks off to be at the cottage a little bit with the family. And that's nice. Yeah, it was, it was really good. It was the first time the kids actually got on bikes and now they're going from this cottage over to that cottage to see their friends. And it's cool. Yeah. That allows me to mow the lawn. You know what I've noticed though, What's chasing that? the kids around at 37 and in, in years past, my feet aren't as resilient as I, I used to be like, hell no. Nope. Because we as adults, mind you, yes. I, I weigh. A lot more than you used to. Yeah. So yeah. Tyler at 190 pounds is putting more pressure per square inch on my feet than I was when I was eight. Yes. Fair. So, so me thinking, nope, I just need to callous up the bottom of these feet. They're going to be <laughs> fine. And I double down on that when I'm, when I'm at home or outside. I'm like, we shouldn't wear shoes in the summertime. Are you guys shoes in the summertime, people outside? I'm, I'm bare feet, bro. Yeah. Depends. If I'm like walking downtown, I do wear shoes. And well, yeah, I mean, in like I bring shoes with me. Yeah, just in case. <laughs> when you have to go inside because yeah. they won't let you in otherwise. <laughs> Throw my sneakers, tie them together over my shoulder. <laughs> just you cool? You cool with this? Okay, I'll, yeah, I'll put them on. Okay, bye. Uh, no, if I'm outside my yard, then I definitely. I mean, when I mow the lawn, yes, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to stain good. your feet. I had yeah, a lot of. That's uh, not the reason. A lot of mini cuts. A lot of mini cuts on the feet, right? But mind you, it's like jumping in the rocks in the lake, and yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I tell last year I stepped on a piece of glass and it didn't go through. Really? Yeah, that's that. <laughs> We're gonna call it call you Kamala. Wait, you got in giant. Was it just flat? No, like <laughs> it was in my foot. Oh, okay, um, um, but like because I I, I also go very uh, barefoot, and, but my pounds per square inch are higher than yours. Yeah, by I'm, I'm impressed substantially. Maybe, maybe you get to a certain point where it's like, nope, they are they will become leather. Yeah, and they do. 
but they don't get all cracked and gross, so don't get that in your heads. They're they're fine, but they're not your fingers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tyler immediately looks at his hands yeah, after like, falling apart. <laughs> My leprosy. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I stepped on something. I was like, oh, that feels weird. And then I, there was glass sticking into my foot, and I mm. just pulled it out, and I was fine. Didn't even bleed. Did you ever have like I definitely remember when I was a kid, just like walking through a trail, and like I fully stepped on a nail and went right through. Like I could see the nail on the other side. Is it, you guys happened with that? It didn't go all the way through, but I I got a nail through the middle of my foot uh, when I was a kid. Which, yeah, it hurts. That's yeah. Do you have fun. to go for a tetanus shot? How was, where were I you? Think I, I, I had one already because um, I was like four or five. It's like a raccoon. It's scary you. shit though. I, I I was trying to take a leak behind my grandparents' shed one time and ended up same thing. You step on it. And it, it was it was basically the scene at Home Alone, right? When he's coming up and, and he's like. I didn't fall down the steps or anything, but... How old were you? Uh, under 10. Okay, yeah. For being a kid's yeah. movie, that scene is rough. Yeah. That's a yeah. rough scene in a movie. There's a lot of rough scenes in a lot of kids' movies I'm finding. Mm. Like, I'm trying to think of the one I just saw recently. I'm like, I need to turn this off. Like, it was like Disney. Oh, no. You're thinking of the Chevy Chase one with uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Man of the Man House. Of House. Yeah, with Return to Innocence in the soundtrack. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's it. In the rain. Yeah. Is, is the rain scene? No, that's not at all what I was referring to, but we can... Because that's not traumatic at all. No. Affection. What a beautiful song. Feeling. Keep going. Erection. Yeah. That's <laughs> another word. I don't think erection is in the song. Infection? Maybe that's, maybe that's the, the subliminal tra- trauma that we're getting from that movie. So, yeah. uh, did we talk about this before where, like, was it, we maybe we talked about it early, but, like, you know the song, uh, Billy Joel's... Um, Captain Jack. No, the <laughs> money, 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 money. Is that? I, I, Is it Billy Joel's? No, did I say Billy Joel? Yes. Oh, I meant Billy Idol. Okay. <laughs> sorry, did I say Billy Joel? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That'd be awesome. That'd be an awesome cover. Yeah. Who's Billy Billy Idol right now? Yeah. So when it, the music drops and you go, "Hey, the fucking get laid, get fucked," like. That how did that come about? Like everyone seems to claim that. Like I was like, oh, I it's know. a PEI thing. And then I got here, oh, and you're like, oh, that's like, a, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like how? Where did that? I stem think I grew from? up hearing it in church. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's, I think it originated in the Crusades, actually. <laughs> Some important. They brought it back song. from the Middle East. Yeah, that makes more sense. Fun fact on Billy Idol: He was playing a show in Kelowna five years ago today. Wicked. Yeah, I remember walking walking by and he was blasting whatever the stadium is in Kelowna. Today, there's yeah. a stadium in Kelowna. Uh, so, friend of the show and former guest uh, David McLean. He, I just I saw a reminder on my phone. It, it was his uh, his wedding day. Oh, nice, yes. good. Yeah, so nice. good times were had by all. Billy Idol didn't actually make an appearance. So, to any of our listeners that were at that concert, you know, reach out. Let us know how it was for you five years ago. Yes, at Billy Idol. Yeah. Maybe you were there swimming with us. Yeah. yeah. So the I, fountain. Or any Billy-related group. Billy Talent, Billy Joel, Billy King. Is Billy King a thing? Billy Jean King, but she's a tennis player. Yeah. that's yeah. Lots of Billies, though, if you look at it that way. Yeah. Anyways, I do have one story that I was going to tell you guys that I was going to tell you earlier, but I saved it for the podcast. And it just, I do like to think of myself as being like a reasonably intelligent person, but this shows that I'm not. We're like, as I was in the kitchen... I was like, man, it's eerily quiet in here. You start messing with the pots and pans, like Pam would. Sorry. <laughs> what? Well, it's quiet. Yeah. No. 
You guys obviously didn't watch Take That, Take Part in the Fun. No, I don't no. know any. Like you just keep now. You're just saying words at this point. <laughs> I don't even think you have any real references anymore. Isn't Take That a you're band? Just, <laughs> take like That was Robbie a band. Williams. Yeah, Robbie Williams. Yeah, yeah. Whatever I said, but I, I was actually referring to Take Part. It was uh, it was her and her husband. They uh, they would always. Oh yeah. <laughs> we'll cut this. I just I was like, what the fuck is that sound? I thought you've been picking at the table the whole time. I'm like, would you fucking stop? No, no the, the, this was rubbing on this. Yeah, no, I, I, I apologize. Good no, call. no, it's fine. Yeah. So take it from uh, anywhere. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to so do. It was, it was really quiet. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll cut the take that. Yeah. yeah. So I just go back to I got a story for you. Why? Well, I'll make it work. You'll make it work? Yeah. Okay. So do you want me to keep going with the, uh, the text part? Word Just keep going. Because they, they made a lot of art with, uh, like, shoeboxes. <laughs> it's a good show. And she was a really good... She actually had an, another show called... Uh, Wait, was that the one where they... Teletale uh, Town. Where they... Where they <laughs> was that the art show where... No, it's Art Attack. Art That's attack, what I was thinking Where they would too. zoom out and you'd make a big thing out of, like, blankets and stuff? Yeah. No, no. That's but but her husband was... Re- do you remember, like... Uh, Crazy Mr. Twister with his crazy guy. He can make you laugh, moan, oh, giggle, and sigh. Even I don't, so no. You're, what? This, call your mother, call your brother, call your sister, call your other. <laughs> Tell him to come on around and take part in the fun. And then it showed a puppet go, take part. You know, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> This is gonna be our. This is gonna be our drop. Yeah. <laughs> it won't make the show. It'd be like, oh, this is the preview. It didn't make the show. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, it's good. When you said that, I immediately thought of like Camp Caribou. Oh yeah, remember that show? Mark and Dave. I got a head like a big ball. I got a head like. Anyways, what? do you remember that? Nope. Okay. So why are you stupid? Okay. Well, other than this whole exchange. Yeah. Okay. Um. So it's like I said, it was just eerily quiet, and I was like, this is weird. Like, it's not making sense. I like went into the uh, fridge. Just to get something to drink, and like, I don't hear anything. Like, this is bad. And so I was like, I'll, I'll play around with like the breaker. Breaker's fine. I checked like the power bar. Power bar's working. Fridge. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I know this fridge is not the newest fridge because we bought it. Sorry, we didn't buy it. It was there before we even moved in. And we've been in that house for at least three years. But I'm like, I don't think it's that old. Like, it's frigid air. It seems fine. And then I like, checked the freezer, and like, it clearly had been. Like, this had been going on for a while, so I was like, oh, my God, you've got to be kidding me. I'm like, I'm, immediately, I'm like, the air compressor's gone. Like, this is a problem. So I talked to Aaron. She's like, just call this guy. So we called uh, a repair guy, and he's like, oh, I'm on my way to Wedgeport, but where are you? And I tell him I live in town. He's like, okay, I'll turn around. I'll come right back. I think it's an easy fix. I think I just need to refill coolant. Sounds like it's not that big of a deal, because uh, once the coolant's there, it'll recycle, and then the fan will go, and everything will be fine. He's like, can you tell me what uh, brand of fridge do you have? At this point, I didn't remember what it was because it's always covered with pictures. I'm like, ah, just give me a sec. I can't quite remember. So I go over and I like move some photos around. I'm like, huh. He's like, what? It's working again. He's like. It just needed to kick in. He was like, was it maybe in the defrost cycle where it does this for half an hour? So it defrosts so you don't get any ice buildup. I was like, uh, how would I know that? He's like, did you randomly hear hisses at the back? I'm like, yeah, totally. What was that? He's like, that was just the water melting onto the fan and causing it to hiss. He's like, your fridge is fine. I was like, oh. Turns out this happens a lot, but we're just never home to hear this happen. Yeah, Yeah, I've never... 
I didn't know about this as a thing, so... Okay, so I'm maybe not as dumb as I think... Well, okay, maybe, but not in this instance. You're not expected to be an expert in fridge sound, so... Yeah. I was just... Well, it, was, it wasn't that it was a sound. It was the lack of sound, right? Okay. That's what threw me off. It was that it was completely... Like, someone had just unplugged it. That, that was my immediate thought. I'm like, oh, Aaron had cleaned something out. Maybe she knocked, like, the gave plug you, loose. Gave you a way out there, but whatever. We want to keep going deeper down this yeah. way we can. Yeah, we yeah. tried to... We gave you a pass, and now you're just really kind of digging yourself back in. I'll stop. Thank you. Yeah. It was okay. So not as bad as I thought. Did you have anything good out of that fridge? Maybe a sandwich? Or, uh, maybe no, Aaron got groceries rack. after that. We have lots of good stuff now. I hope you so have spinach. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I don't, but I have hamburger meat to make my own hamburgers. Snap. I got a good recipe. Crispy That's onions good. on those? Oh, yeah. And, and, and crispy jalapenos. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure you uh, hook yourself up with some of those crispy onions from your local grocer. It is a game changer. Yeah. Crispy onions on everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can pronounce it onion. Yeah. On fun. Like it entertains the kids. Yeah. <laughs> So I got uh, I got my round two of the vaccine today. That's why you're back. So I, yes. I let them know that we weren't letting you back yeah. until you got your double vaccine. Yeah. If anybody can't see me, I am wearing like a, a bikini top made of masks. So all of my masks are now clothing. switched into clothing. And he's super magnetic. Like the mic, he doesn't have yeah. a stand. It's just sticking to his chest. Yeah. And he's just looking down and speaking into it. It's, it's pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Everything sticks. What kind did you get? I, what was your flavor? So... Manisa has been, uh, she's hearing stories like horror stories and, and I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned it before. She is very, very not cool with the idea of vomiting. Okay. So I've been with her since 2003 and she's vomited once. Okay. Um, kind of like that Seinfeld episode. Right. Um, so she was like, well, everybody, everybody who's hit, is getting smoked right now is, uh, they're the ones who had Pfizer and they switched to Moderna. And I'm doing research on it, and I'm asking pharmacist friends, like, bro, like uh, Brother Dave. Yes. And he's like, uh, it's mainly the difference between Pfizer and Moderna is, well, mainly, they're very similar. It's mainly yeah. a, a, like a name brand. Um, so they do, they do this kind of the same thing. Um, so you're going to be hit with the same kind of symptoms one or the other. Yeah, regardless. Right. And some people are, some people aren't. Um, but she's like, if you can... If we can switch and find a Pfizer, let's get a Pfizer. Yeah. So, so I was wondering why you were so late to the game to get it. Uh, your I, yeah, because I had it. I, well, I had it originally booked like for you get your first one where it's like yeah. September, and then I had it booked again for like late July, and then July twelfth. Ben told me to reschedule, and you can get up, you get in. Right. Um, and then, yeah. Then I was like, ah, if I if I get these symptoms, I I, I can't do it this day because it's going to totally. Throw the right. I had right, commitments, right. and so it, it worked out well that Thursday. I have no commitments so tomorrow. You were, you were fine with threatening the podcast. I was. I was dead set. So my mindset for this is, okay, I'm going to get vaccinated for a deadly virus. Okay, it's going to make me healthier in the long run. Yeah. The symptoms that I'm going to have are not going to be real sickness. Yeah, they're well, going to be illusions. It's the, it's the fact that right. it's working, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like. It's nice to have a couple. Of, I mean, it sucks in the moment, but like you're like, okay, my body is responding to this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I felt nothing. I had a sore arm, like a Charlie horse, for a couple of days. Yeah, that was it for me. So, like, my plan was to be here tonight and be shivering and have a headache <laughs> and have mind over matter being, no, this is not real. Not today, I'm not buddy. Sick. I'm going to push through this, um, but yeah, I've like a minimal ache yeah. in my arm. 
you know, I, I, I have a big toe that I probably cut my toenail a little too short. That's probably giving me the most discomfort right now. Yeah, that's fair. We should talk more about that. Well, I, anytime. Please don't. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it's crazy to see how this is popping up all over the world. Like, once again, a resurgence globally. Yeah. And it just makes me wonder what else is going on in the world. <laughs> Welcome to the world, according to Tyler Smith. Hey guys, ten out of ten. That was a good one. Yeah, that, that was good. That was I'll, good. I'll give you that. Yeah, one. segue, Ben. Uh, we're gonna go to Ohio, a uh, a town that we've already re- referenced. Uh, Dino Mac, David McLean. He used to live in Des Moines, Iowa, um, which is not uh, <laughs> what. Which is not the same. You said Ohio as a town. <laughs> you said Des Moines. No, Ohio's a state. Yeah. yeah, you said town though. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Next yeah. thing you're gonna call it Idaho. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so it's, con- it's so much fun. I'm so confused. <laughs> so let's go to uh, let's go to Ohio. So um, a young, a 31 year old mom is driving in her car with her young daughter. Oh, the kids in the car. <laughs> kids in the car. <laughs> um, no big. That's fine though. Like, what's what's unique about a mom driving? That's pretty normal. Yeah, that's it's a normal late, it's late thing. Late at, late at night, so it's probably past the 11, 12 year old bedtime. But you know what? Preteen you can stretch that out. Um, coming up on an intersection. Um, decided to test the power of God and hit the gas instead of stop at the red. What? Let the wheel go, and Gordy Sampson her way right through that intersection. And you see a photo um, of the car meeting in, uh, yeah, being T-boned. <laughs> oh, so, um, Everybody's okay? Do you think yes. she mom-armed the whole time? I don't think. No, she was like... My, like, no, she, oh, she was just she, like she was focusing, focusing on like yeah, she's arms like, up. Canada's Wonderland, <laughs> Six Flags in Ontario. Yeah, that's where Marineland. Damn it! Yeah. <laughs> I just did. I just force Ontario no, no, and Marine no. You're you're continuing with yes. my Iowa Ohio thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah, so she's just going through it like she's on the the log flume. Yeah, she's having yeah. a blast. Um, she <laughs> was giving her. Um, yeah, and it, it just she bounced off a whole bunch of stuff, <laughs> clipped a car at the intersection, knocked down a utility pole, and took out several power lines before crashing into a house. Wow! And when I, so so the fact that she survived is that grounds to say that Jesus took the wheel and and saved her. No, <laughs> I feel like she will use it that way. Like she's honestly. Yeah. I, she can't be well, like, because like, no. that's not. I mean, there's loads of people that believe in Jesus that don't threaten the lives of their children. No, that's what Come she on. was basically suicidal behavior. Guys, she was traveling 160, so 100 miles an hour, um, <laughs> and she survived. Uh, no one was injured in the incident, although the girl was taken to hospital for evaluation. Obviously. So, if this is the case, if she truly believed in that, she would have taken her seatbelt off. Ooh, yeah, maybe, but. It was God's will for her to keep the seatbelt on. I'm sure it was also God's will for her to put her hands on the wheel and not go 160 <laughs> kilometers an hour. Well, she anyway, defied it. I, I think we've learned something valuable here today, that if you want to threaten the lives of your children, uh, you can. And, you know, Jesus will take care of it. So I'm assuming she's probably losing her child now? I hope something comes of this. Like, Is, well, she, is she still married? Like, is she still with the father of the no, child? She's lost her virginity. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's no mention of that. <laughs> there's no mention of the loss. You're talking about losing things. 
Um, so we're going off to Utah. I got two from Utah, guys. Yeah. Okay. Um, There's less worldly, just more the states, but it's good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> states are on. Their states are happening. The city of Utah. Popping um, off. This, <laughs> So, so um, over Utah, we have a lot of uh, kind of kind of mountainous areas where there's lakes that are not overly populated by fish, mm-hmm. and um, kind of a cool video to watch is uh, their strategy to to populate these lakes, and they're just so we're talking like a Cessna with a tank on the back that flies just over the tips of the trees, opens the the hole, and like <laughs> hundreds and like uh, how many did it say? So you're you're flying about a hundred feet, and we're dumping massive amounts of fish, baby so, trout. So it's what it, it's like the firefighting thing where they just have yeah, a plane dropping water, but they're like, let's load her up with fish and just dropping them out of the sky at a hundred feet. Yeah, but ninety five percent of the fish survive. <laughs> I was just gonna say, how did they how did they not die, or how do they how do they measure? They, a, a pilot can dump up to thirty five thousand trout. Wow! In forty, to I did not know that was a stat that Utah had. Yeah, like, Utah's basically got it. so thirty-five thousand in the span of like how long? A uh, few hours. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wonder how many fish per hour that is. I wonder if they measure planes and like trout capacity. <laughs> capacity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shopping. Well, you know, I uh, I'm looking for like a you know twenty-five thousand trouter. You know, I'd like to be able to, to get. <laughs> I got love some move, boys. Do you have do you have any trout dumping planes? Yeah. <laughs> We're looking for a good trout dumping plane. Yeah. You're in luck. That's all we have. Special. Uh, I suggest everyone take a look at the video. It is a cool video. It's it's raining fish. Yeah. Can you imagine being on that lake and like the pilot just not giving a fuck and just like you getting rained on with all these trout? Oh, man. Yeah, getting hit in the head like because they're probably at terminal what? velocity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think the fact that they're they're small is the reason why they survive. You know. Yeah. But yeah, if you're, it would be either awesome to be on the lake. You'd be like best fishing day ever. I got yeah. so many trout. They're probably all you'd have to yeah. come back. But uh, or you're getting hit in the, the head size, and yeah. knocked out. Can you imagine? You just yeah, you're in your canoe. And you're like, you wake up hours later, fish jumping everywhere in in your boat. In your boat, and trying a, to get out. It's another miracle. Get a black eye. Yeah, it is. Yeah, like uh, Lenny Galant's Peter's dream. I like how anytime there's any sort of PEI reference, you do point to me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> token, token, non Nova Scotia guy. I'm like, hey, thanks, yeah. thanks for knowing who Lenny Glant is. Yes, thank you. I don't know a single song of his. You probably know more than I do. It's okay. It's what I'm here for. Yeah. He's <laughs> our you. PEI correspondent. Basically. <laughs> so sticking with Utah, uh, did you guys see the uh, the Utah gun company? Like, so there's, there's a gun company called Culper Precision. Um, and they are—they uh, make guns. That and they would make made, sense. It's a gun company. Yes, um, and they made a gun that resembles uh, something that would have been constructed by Lego. So it's a real gun. It's called—it uh, looks like a Glock. Okay. Like, like kind of a pistol. Yeah, I think that it's made on the Glock frame, frame. or whatever you know. Is it's, it just that with like Lego glue to it? No, no. It's just kind of the the, the frame. Like maybe maybe they put like a veneer, so to speak, over it, but it looks exactly like Lego. So it's got a yellow frame with a red top and a blue handle and some green, like the safety and the trigger are green. Um, that's not good. That's, it's not cool. Not, not in a time when Second Amendment is kind of a hot topic. Well, yeah, it looks like a toy. It's, yeah. called, I mean, it's called the Block 19. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's asked, like, and 
is is asking for more accidents because it. I mean, you go back to like I used to have a cap gun, and they put an orange thing on the tip to make it not look like mm-hmm. a real gun, yeah. and that way, hopefully, you don't get shot by the police. Um, and then this is the like, how can we make a deadly weapon look as much like a child's toy as possible? Yeah, what's know? what's the it, rationale behind this? It looks like well, a, a gun made out of Lego. Like it doesn't yeah. look like a real gun. <laughs> they said. Is it marketing the Block 19 as a childhood dream come to life? Culper Precision introduced it to Instagram saying, we wanted the Second Amendment to simply Ugh. be too painful to tread on. So there was only one logical... This is after, this is after they, uh, they had gotten flack. So, yeah. so gun activists, or anti-gun activists, I should say, um, they reached out to Lego to say, you mind sending them a cease and desist for this one? Yeah. Um, which Lego did. Will this show up at Legoland as like an activity? Oh, I'm sure we'll see some security guards. What you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is there anywhere you go in like Disney World or whatever, they just have all these colorful yeah. weaponry now? Yeah. It might show up in like a Lego movie at this point now. Fun fact on Culper Precision. The name, do you remember, do you know the name? Remember the name Culper came out of that uh, kind of spy ring in the... Uh, American War of Independence. Oh, I didn't know that. I just know Lower Seacord. Oh, come on, <laughs> Benton. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's go. Let's go. One more. Actually, two more. Let's go. Kraft macaroni and cheese ice cream. Oh shit. Ugh. So there's now a, a Van Van Leeuwen, um ice cream. They're out of New York. Uh, they now have a KD flavored ice cream. I'll tell you this: Kraft dinner is one of my favorite foods. And ice cream is one of my favorite foods, and that sounds disgusting. Absolutely. Yeah, some things just aren't a good mix. No. Yeah. I well, mean, cheese is a dairy-based product, though, so maybe. Yeah, but <laughs> pasta isn't. <laughs> what, if, what makes KD? Could KD be made with potatoes? Could you, could you, could you mix like up, a, like a, well, could you you can mix make, up like, the sauce and put it on like hash browns? Well, it's just, that's just a cheese sauce. Yeah. Okay. So... Kate, so the noodles aren't aren't the aren't the issue here. No, it's the it's, orange powder. It's the cheese sauce. Well, yeah, I mean, Katie's orange powder. macaroni and cheese. True. Like that's all it is. Mm. It's Are just there the pieces ingredients of macaroni within the? Is it just like or cheese flavored? It like it's it's basically cheese flavored ice cream. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Is like bologna roll with the macaroni. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I call it. I call it Lockport roll. I was yeah. gonna say Lockport. Everyone at Lockport's like lining up to get this. Yeah. What, what would be the worst? Ice cream you could imagine Poop. of like no 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 like ranch dressing of actual food obviously ranch dressing now are you Roast really beef? committed to that well what could be worse I don't know I'm thinking like most fish like most fish as in like you would take most of the fish in the sea blend them up and then make that a flavor well no but how about that I, could be yes. I would agree that fish meal but that's not a food I'm thinking like tuna like tuna tuna steak or tuna out of a can. Uh, tuna out of a can because I'll I'll eat like a tuna st- like I'll, I like tuna like sushi grade tuna but I hate like tuna, tuna out of a can. Literally. I you also don't like tuna melts. Who didn't like tuna melts? I don't. Wow. I struggle to eat them. They make me gag a little bit, but I still eat them. <laughs> There's nothing logical about that. I will yeah, not. No. I will not attempt to defend myself. All right. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like anything else that comes to mind. Like, what would you think? I couldn't you? do ranch ice cream. No, I get that. I mean, like vinegar would be good. But uh, like, I'm thinking meal. I could do balsamic vinegar. Maybe like a red caramelized. Wine. Some brown sugar, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah a little caramelized. Uh, I don't know, like... Caramelized your ice cream. <laughs> Just put caramel. Yeah. 
I think most uh, meal foods wouldn't be good ice cream. I can't. I guess that's true. Pickled onions. <laughs> That'd be a bad one. Be a bad one. Vienna sausage. Roast turkey. Yeah. yeah. Sol- Solomon Gundy ice cream. Yeah. Chow. Chow's gross. I hate chow. Yeah. I had red bean before. It was nasty. Red bean ice cream. Red bean ice cream. You are a man of the world. Yeah. yeah I it, like was, it. it was not tasty. Okay, so looking into this ice cream kind of made me jump over to another hot topic. One last question. Yeah, like, growing up on the island, though, did your parents ever just like whatever they scoop probably potato? No. Potato ice cream? Yeah, they scoop the potato and be like, don't worry, it's ice cream. And then you put like, it on a cone? Do you ever have a ice, uh, scoop of potatoes on a cone? <laughs> Would they just put chocolate sauce on it and then... He'd be like, oh, thanks for the ice cream, Mom and Dad. And he wouldn't even know. Maybe a banana split with a couple scoops of mashed potatoes. Everything is just so potato-based over there that, you know, you just don't know anymore. That's our Sunday treat. Yeah. Yes. It's like a literal, it's literal a provincial Sundays. dish. Little, literally yeah. Sundays of yes. mashed potatoes. No. And fuck both of you. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, that's a crazy flavor for ice cream. But did you know Kraft Dinner actually also has crazy flavors? I did not. Uh, no. Kraft Dinner has a uh, has like a poutine flavored Kraft Dinner. No um, way. Okay. There is a cotton candy <laughs> flavored. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Pumpkin spice um, cotton candy is another one. Um, I'm sorry. Pi- pumpkin spice Kraft Dinner. These are flavor boosts, so they're like something you can add to them. I don't know why. Where can you buy them? Um, yeah. Amazon. Are we, we should. Get some and try it out on. Yeah, we could. That would be an Instagram I mean, live. Just, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, so they're called flavor boosts, and um, what they actually are—they're easy to use. Craft dinner connoisseurs simply stir the packet in, and change up their game. Butter chicken. Imagine making. A, did you say butter chicken? Yeah, I'm on the website. Oh my god! Cotton candy, ghost pepper, spicy. Oh, I see spicy cheddar macaroni. Oh, buffalo wings. I think I can do buffalo wings. Yeah, that'd be fine. Yeah, yeah if there's no ranch dip, I guess. I could do the spicy. I like that idea. You can get a twelve pack for twenty seven bucks. All right. Hey, are we doing this? Stay tuned. Yeah, well, yeah we're going to serve it on the boat bash. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? It's, does it look like it changes? Like, could you do that and not tell people? It's got to be another color. Oh my god! The, the, the cotton candy it's looks cotton like candy has to be. Cotton candy is a beautiful pink. But which which raises the question: Okay, does do you take yellow craft dinner and does it turn it into? I feel like you replace the cheese in the. You would have to. It must with... be just a different powder you can purchase. Oh my god, that looks disgusting! It looks like, like a a bowl of ground beef. <laughs> like doesn't it? Yeah. Like I'm looking at this. It looks like that with like a straw in it. Yeah, it looks like raw. Yeah. Ground beef. Yeah. Not yeah, cooked. not cooked. Because it looked like it just came out of the grinder. I think we can get a six pack for fifteen bucks and check it out. Yeah. Which one? So what were some of the other options? Uh, well, I, I'd like salted to- caramel. <laughs> that be I love salted caramel. Dill so. pickle, dill pickle would be good. Does dill dill anything is good. Um, yeah. It's a fried cream. It's fine. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna research this when we're not on the air. Yeah. yeah. Um, last one. Thoughts on uh, Richard Branson going to space? Um, it's I, I find it funny, like, cause well, like this whole billionaire going to space, like. Elon Musk came out and be like, stop, you know, stop attacking us for wanting to go to space. And, um, you know, it, it's, it boosts a lot of hope for people and it, it does help with sciences. And that, that's all true. Like, space is exciting. It does make kids interesting. The problem is it's it billionaires. Is it indulgent? Oh, interested. Yeah, he's doing it on the backs of people who lost everything during a lockdown. You know, like, these people became way more wealthy during this, but 
Yeah. Basically, all they're doing is sucking everything out of us, and then they're using it just to indulge themselves and be like... Are they at the point where I need to go to space to be excited? I think oh, so. They yeah. s- like child sacrifices are no longer interesting to them. Woo. And uh, I don't know. I'm not that out of the way. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, there could be a little bit of truth to it. But anyway. And then, <laughs> so he's like, he's like, everybody, I just went to space. And Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's arguably the most reliable space guy in pop culture. Well, did you really go to space? Uh, I'm not sure. It takes three days to get to the moon. And you were just up there in eight minutes. Yeah, he basically had time to take a poop in like zero gravity for a bit. Yeah, yeah. He, he got high enough that he's like exiting the troposphere or whatever the top layer is, and then um, yeah, and then they came right back down. What is the actual like? What layer do you have to get out of our atmosphere entirely to well, be is, in space? Like, what is that? Well, so there's no real transition. Like, it's the it's the thermosphere is the last of the layers, right. and it just I mean. The molecules of our atmosphere just dissipate more and more and more. There's no clear boundary where okay. it's space. Well, I'm I mean? assuming you're not crossing like an actual line. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, and there's just a sign. Just yeah. <laughs> bang! Oh, you know, yeah, hit, hit the curb. Yeah, but uh, so I don't know exactly, but I'm sure there's some agreed upon point yeah. where he like dipped over it and was like, "I'm the first private guy in space." Ah. How jealous do you think Lance Bass is? <laughs> Pretty jealous. Was that always a dream of his? Yes, he was like going full Russian cosmonaut. You remember this? I'm not just yes, okay. Good. That's true. Yeah. No, he was like going to go, and then like I think Pepsi was supporting it, and then they backed out because they're like, "Why are we sending this random guy into space?" Yeah. So shockingly, the funding fell through. Lance Bass fell off. Yeah, yeah. and he's not been noticed since. Yeah, I think there's a general consensus that they wouldn't mind if you know Bezos uh, didn't come back. Yeah. You know, like go to space. That's fair. I mean, Elon Musk, I feel like, has more redemptive qualities because he's done a lot for electric vehicles and batteries and stuff like that, where I give him more of a pass than the other guys, where Jeff Bezos really hasn't done anything constructive. If you have a lot to give, you should always give more than you take. Yeah. Jeffrey Bezos' wife, she gives a lot, which is nice. You know, like, it was good to see that. But, yeah. Be on the right side of that give-take ratio. Yeah. Sorry, I moved on, and I'm on. Did you know there's Kraft Dinner Deluxe? <laughs> is it deep fried? No, it's like fancy Kraft Dinner. I make my Kraft Dinner fancy for grown like, Legitimately, yeah. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa! I know. Cursive writing, I right? Put, I put sautéed like onions and some mushrooms and stuff in it. Like I make it legit. Like I make a good Kraft Dinner. Yeah, this is like cheddar, broccoli, mac and cheese. White cheddar and garlic and herbs. Are these microwavable lunches? Is, is it like a Michelinas? No, I don't. It's think basically so. a Michelinas with like shitty like steamed broccoli like that mushes all up. Mind you, this is the first Kraft Dinner Deluxe Macaroni and Cheese Dinner. Get ready to drown in a mighty pool of cheese and cream. That sounds awful. I know. <laughs> <laughs> drown in a pool of cheese. One thing I would like to drown in a pool of. This here podcast is brought to you by Heritage Brewery. Beer so good it'll make you say, mmm, you sure do got a pearling mouth. That was so, good. Thank you. That wasn't yeah. as... That was actually more organic than any other one yes. I've done. Like, yeah, that was kinda, pretty good. Um, was it but on purpose? It was on purpose. Um, so yeah, we're sipping on some Heritage. We're having a good time. And it's always a good time when you're sipping on Heritage. Yeah, and, it's a good uh, time. 
What oh. do you have in what are you drinking right now anyway? I, I, I stick primarily to Norseman, but I know you're drinking one of their newer ones. Yeah, the Hawaiian uh, Sour. It's really quite nice. I know you are not the biggest fan of sours, but I think you would actually enjoy this one. Yeah. It's very, very tasty. Well. Um, so Heritage is back open. Like we're now in phase four, so you can go sit inside. We were there for trivia the other night, got third place. We're we're on our way back. You it's, can do this. It's a lot of fun. Just remember the details. Yeah. I need you there for the weird music. That's where we drop off every time. Uh, yeah. is the music because it's always <laughs> we actually got mad at the guy who did it because we were joking like we just need a bit of hip-hop you know what i mean it's always like <laughs> 80s or it's always country yeah and like and then the old folks in there always get them and we don't and then they they played some egos and we got that but then he's like he gave a hint on that that's the one time he's given he a, a hint i'm like they always have the upper hand like just give us this yeah. one this one rap song that you play but anyway, yeah. it is a lot of fun. Uh, Art does it. I like give him a hard yeah. time. So one time I went to Heritage to do that. I was like, okay, I'm set. Me and like two other buddies, three other buddies went. <laughs> They're like, all right, it's Nova Scotia trivia time. I'm from PEI. The other two guys were from like New Brunswick. So they're like, this is not going to go. We came out like I think yeah. almost dead last. Just have some beers. Like we we, <laughs> I I definitely lost to like students of mine. Yeah, it's only two bucks in history. It's yeah. only two bucks though. Yeah. So, you know, uh, we could do a barn cast potato based trivia if that would make you feel better, um, just to win something for once. You know, I'm ignoring you. <laughs> do you ever wake up and just sing Elton John's Island Girl? <laughs> no, but Bud the Spud, yes. Okay. So um, anyway, so head on down there. There's there's lots of things now. Like it's you know it's back to what it used to be. It's I know it's a mindset change to go back out in the world as this pandemic kind of gets to a nice point with all our vaccines. But it's a great place to go. You know, it's a good spot. Yeah. Let's go to another spot. Science corner. Everyone can't be a winner, okay? Yeah. You know, you, you, you shoot your shot, and we appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. I got to get there somehow, so, yeah. you know. Just do um, better. So, I've, <laughs> I will be better. Thank um, you. So, I've alluded to before this idea of lead and gas uh, and the effects it had on the populations throughout history, especially on behavior. And we talked a bit about serial killers in another mm-hmm. episode or, like, that kind of violence. So I kind of want to get into a deeper one with you today. Just, you know, let's let, let's talk about it. So back in the day, I didn't realize what leaded was for a long time. Like, I just knew yeah. our fuel was unleaded. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't know what that meant. And then I found out that, well, back in the day, they put lead in fuel. I mean, they put, it was like Frank's Red Hot. Like, I put that shit on everything. Yeah. You know, like, let's put it on child. What was the objective? Lead what was the everything. function of lead in this purpose? Is so, a stabilizer? Is it a filler? It was tetraethyl lead. Was the this chemical compound they used, and they used it in early model cars. Uh, it helped reduce engine knocking. It boosts the octane ratings, uh, and it uh, reduced the wear and tear on the valves and things within the motor. So it made your motors more efficient uh, and run better. Like it's been known for thousands of years that lead is a neurotoxin, like it's poisonous. Yeah, there's a story of the Greeks, the Romans, like they used to use their their plumbing out of lead and people dying. Um, so there was this concern over it, um, and it started to be phased out in the 1970s, and then it was banned altogether only in 1995. Really? Uh, yeah. 
and that's wow. like over here in North America. There's still some countries I think that have leaded fuel. I'm trying to think. So, I, I'm like, I've obviously was in a car before '95. Like, didn't they used to ask whether you wanted leaded or unleaded? Am I crazy for thinking that, or am I just thinking I like smoking, know. non-smoking? I, I have no idea. I feel like that's a thing, but it, it would be. I w- it's before my time that I wouldn't have. I mean, I wasn't driving then. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm thinking of that, but maybe I'm making it up mm-hmm. as well too, which is entirely possible. Yeah. So. Its inventor was very sure of how safe it was, as they are. They're always, you know, these scientists trying to convince everybody it's okay. They always do stupid things. So he was having a press conference. This is October 1924. Mm-hmm. And he took out, a, like, a container of this pure uh, tetraethyl lead, which is this what they put in the fuel, and washed his hands in it. So he just stuck his hands in it. He's like, yeah, it's super safe. <laughs> and I go back to, like, these ideas in the 60s, they were when DDT was the miracle thing. They're spraying yep. it everywhere. Yeah. yeah. I, there's these videos uh, where they're meeting with different African tribes and they're mm-hmm. trying to convince them to use it. <laughs> malaria is a thing. And it's funny because you can see the look on their face. They're like, I don't trust these white people. Like, Which yeah. was a good yeah. call. Um, As they shouldn't. And, but they were like, no, it's super safe. They're spraying DDT into oatmeal and eating it. Be like, this what? is totally fine, guys. Why? Because they, they were sure it was safe. Because they were doubling but, down on it. But it's for like flavor additives? Like what? No, they're just saying, I'm not scared of it. I'll eat it. I'll just straight eat DDT. But anyway, so this guy was doing the same idea. Like, hey, press people, um, super safe. I'll wash my hands in it. But they were kind of, uh, he's saying like, I'm, I'm not taking any chances doing this. Like this is, this is totally safe. But there was a reason why he was doing this press conference and why they didn't really trust him too much is that on the Thursday, the week before this conference, at one of the plants that was adding it, the Standard Oil Plant in New Jersey, there was a worker named Ernest Oligert uh, started hallucinating. And by the next day, he was running around the laboratory screaming in, ta- in terror. And then on Saturday, what? he was just totally off his rocker. His sister called the police. They took him to the hospital. He had to be restrained. And by Sunday, he, he was dead. Okay. So this is due to lead exposure. Now, within within the week, four more of his colleagues died that worked at this plant, and thirty five more were in hospital. So that's a bad stat. Thirty thirty nine people, right? Yeah, numbers are against you. Guess how many people worked at at the company? Forty nine. So thirty nine people. So like the ten who didn't work that day. So four of them died. Thirty five were hospitalized, and then ten weren't. Like, they, is that like the secretary or someone who I was no like idea. not actually working in? Guy who works the gate at the parking lot. Yeah, yeah. So someone's um, on vacation for a week. So and this was kind of like the the way it was at all these companies that were were mixing the lead into the fuel. In Ohio, there's a plant that shut down because there was two deaths there. In New Jersey, that they had a fatalities, and. In New Jersey, the workers kept hallucinating of insects, and they called it the butterfly, the house of butterflies. So, like, this is a, it's such a potent neurotoxin that is killing your brain cells. They're yeah. seeing butterflies while you're mixing in toxins into this fuel. It's weird that they would all have the the same hallucination. The same hallucination. Yeah, I feel like that's yeah crazy. So they, but there was always this pushback saying like, "Well, it's, it's, it's really good for vehicles. It helps you get more out of your car." Mm. And this battle kind of raged on. 
there was this girl, Dr. Uh, Alice Hamilton, was the country's biggest authority on lead. She was basically like, it's not worth it. Because they, they were saying the amount, like, they're mixing it in, in factories and they're exposed to a lot of lead. But yeah, on street right. level, as cars burn it, it's not enough to be detectable. Right. So we'll kill everyone who works in it, but we're yeah. fine yeah. for everybody else. Yeah, which is how, you know, okay. you capitalism know works anyway, you know. Because the people in the factories are probably anti-maskers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anymore, she basically, but. so she came out and said, you know what, where there's lead... Some cases, uh, some case of lead poisoning sooner or later develops. So even under the strictest supervision, she's saying no matter what you do, it's going to get out. It's going to poison people. It's going to affect people. So let's move on to kind of. Eventually, people started to to notice this pollution everywhere, and they started to phase it out. And this is where they noticed a really interesting uh, relationship. Mm-hmm. Now, this is still a theory. It's never been outright proven, but there is a lot of causality that you can kind of draw between lead and violent crime, mm-hmm. Okay, which is quite interesting. Very. So a lot of Western countries have experienced significant declines in crime in the past few decades. So they're wondering, is removing lead from from gas one of the reasons for this okay that seemed i don't know it's like i've seen some of those stats before it's like where certain things line up and it's like the like the increase in sales for yop and the increase in divorce rates you know like they follow like the same trend or <laughs> I'm something i'm pretty sure i showed it to you it's right. tyler biggins spurious correlations and yeah, I, yeah i'm a big way it's like the amount of Films Nick Cage was in, and the amount of drowning and or people dying from being tangled in their bed sheets. Yes, like they're they're they're, they're both correlated. So, I get that one. Wow. Oh. <laughs> for this, like, there is an argument for it because lead is a neurotoxin, right? And it right. causes brain damage, and brain damage is one of the things that helps you regulate your behavior. Like a lot of violent crime mm-hmm. has been linked to brain damage. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of serial killers have sustained some sort of brain damage that knocks something out. Right. Well, that's what the fear of the concussions is, right? Yeah. 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 So through the 20th century, crime was just rising and rising and rising. Every time like people would come in, they're coming in like, like government officials, okay, like we're going to tackle crime. We're going to fix this. It's going to be okay. And then just about 20 years ago, all of a sudden that trend just fell off. And you could argue maybe it's, you know, the push into bigger cities and, you know, the poor and whatever. But this is it's pretty interesting, at least. This, this trend was followed, like, throughout the world, through all the different countries. It didn't matter their criminal justice policies. Because okay. you could say, well, same idea as Trump saying, well, if we don't test as much, we don't have as much COVID. Mm-hmm. Right. If we don't lock people up as much, we don't have as much crime. But this was a global phenomenon. A lot of people think that the, the removal of lead from gas was one of the key factors. So lead can be absorbed into your bones, your teeth, and your blood, and it causes uh, kidney damage. It stops your body from growing as well. It causes anemia, and then obviously damages the nervous system. Uh, By the 1970s, studies showed that children could even be poisoned by chewing the fingernails that had little flecks of lead paint, like old lead paint from their homes and their school and their toys. Wow. Wow. We are very sensitive to lead. Same as mercury. doesn't take much. There's a reason why you don't play with mercury in your hands because it can absorb through your skin like these are actual powerful neurotoxins if you want to look at and understand the causes of crime you need to start with lead says one researcher who was a psychologist at oxford and he was his thing was studying the effects of diet and other environmental uh, factors on criminals Mm -hmm. he's just trying to figure out how they tick so he says that lead is a very potent neurotoxin 
It has a range of effects on the brain that have been de- demonstrated through hundreds of, bio- of different biological studies. Lead alters the formation of the brain. It reduces the gray matter in areas responsible for things such as impulse control and executive functioning. So thinking and planning. So it makes you more impulsive. It makes you act off your emotions. Lead poisoning just leads to bad decisions. This is kind of what he found. They're looking at it and saying that there's a time lag effect mm-hmm. from when they stop it. It takes about 20 years for that to get out of your system because it's still in the environment. Culturally it's still accumulating right. in yeah. people's bodies. And so in the 1990s, there was an economist named Rick Nevin, and he was looking at, like, is it worth the U.S.'s time to clean out all the lead paint, get rid of all lead-based things? Like, is it worth the money is it worth, yeah. for what you're going to get out of it? Right. So he calculated the rise and fall of the presence of lead from gas, and he compared it to the curve uh, from the modern history of violent crime. And this is when people saw this weird correlation. When the amount of lead in the environment was increasing, he showed that there was a corresponding rise in violent crime two decades later. And then the amount of lead in the environment fell, violent crime also fell about 20 years later. Is this just, you know, random happenstance that it worked this way? So then there's a professor 14 years ago, roughly, uh, Jessica Wolpaul Reyes, was an, another economist in Massachusetts, and she was pregnant and doing what pregnant people do, like doing a lot of research on effects on unborn children. Right, mm-hmm. right. And she started leading about lead in the environment. So she's a scholar, so she's looking at it, she's like, what? Maybe there are some links to crime. She says, everyone was trying to understand why crime was going down. So I wanted to test if there was a causal link between lead and violent crime. And the way I did that was to look at the removal of leaded petrol from the U.S. states in the 1970s to see if that could be linked to patterns of crime reduction in the 1990s. So she gets a bunch of data from every state. No, she has specifics from state by state. Yeah, yeah, so she goes state by state by state, and then she looks at how much gasoline was sold in each state, mm-hmm. and then she plots the crime rate in each area and then used common statistical techniques to exclude other factors that could cause crime. So she kind of tried to control for all the other variables. Right. I was like looking at how much gas was being bought and burned versus how much crime was in that state. That's a pretty deep research, especially while pregnant. Yeah. yeah. And so, Super mom. Yeah. 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 One moms, of those. moms are pretty impressive <laughs> things. So what she found, there's a, she says, there's a substantial causal relationship. I can see it in the state-to-state variations. The states that experience particularly early or particularly sharp declines in lead experienced particularly early or particularly sharp declines in violent crimes 20 years later. Hmm. So okay. state by state, when they started Particularly cutting it, sharp are the key words there. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, visible. The people who totally cut it out, bang, crime dropped 20 years later, boom. So, okay. So she's Versus finding, people who maybe petered it out. And yeah, crime and then petered crime. Out. Yeah, okay. so she's starting to find like, obviously you can't totally prove it, but she, they're finding a lot of evidence for this. I, I'm sorry to divert a no, second, but like, is that happening now with some of, like, think of, like, what's more prevalent in our society now. I think of, like, anxiety, depression, all of those things. A lot of people have just linked it to, like, social media or, or but. Is it something 20 years ago that caused it, you're wondering? Or, or, or is there or something now that's. That's really, you in, know what I mean? In our environment that's. That might it. not be 20 years because it's lead, but, like, we're, we're attached in, to our phones or something. Or, like, yeah. Think of all the elements in our phones. We're all sitting here looking at a computer screen. Exactly. Yeah. Right? So. Not me. I'm spitting this off the Ding, dome. ding, ding. Yeah. <laughs> 
but yeah, is there, is there something happening there that we've always attributed to? Like, like I said, like we're talking about like anxiety is, is seems to have skyrocketed. Like everyone you know has, and I mean, anxiety is a, a natural human process. I mean, it's there for a reason. You 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 need to be anxious at times, but the the severity of it seems to have increased significantly. And is that you know is that something could be attributed to this, or is it just purely circumstance as well? I mean, it's, it's hard to know because. Uh, I mean, environmental factors do influence health a lot, um, yeah. but we are much more isolated and separated from each other, which I think as a social species is going to bring out that. Do you mean right now or for the past couple of years? We're just like, as a society, we're, mo- we're trying right. towards yes. less of a communal experience. Yeah. But anyway, this, and this, technology does play a role in that. That's what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah we're yeah, isolating yeah, yeah. ourselves through yeah. screens, not... You, you see people on a date and they're just like talking to each other on their phones. Like, when was the last time you gave a butterfly kiss to a stranger? You know, like rub your eyelashes together. Ooh, it's been a while, right? That's yeah. what I mean. Like, bring back butterflies. Since kisses. we were strangers, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's how we met. You know, like we don't meet people through butterfly kissing anymore, and I think it's a shame. It's a forgotten art. <laughs> how about PEI? Do they still do that in PEI? Hasn't come around yet. No, nope. yeah. we're back in time. That's back true. in time. <laughs> hasn't arrived. Give it another five years. Do you guys years. still have lead in your gas over there? Yeah, that explains something. Just in the glass bottles. <laughs> so even it's gone like, though. So we'll. <laughs> and then you start looking at these trends globally. Like the UK, they really removed their lead later than North America, and then their crime started like falling later on too. Right. Soccer crowds are mellow now. Yeah, it's it, everybody's chill over there. So, Not Dr. Really. Bernard uh, Gesh uh, was saying the data now suggests that lead could account for as much as ninety percent of the changing crime rate during the twentieth century across all of the world. So, like a huge effect. This isn't a wow. minor effect. Yeah. Wow. And then he says to kind of go against what you were saying earlier. A lot of people would say that correlation isn't cause, but it seems that the more ex- uh, the exposure, the more extreme the behavior. I'm certainly not saying that lead is the only explanation for why crime is falling, but it is certainly the most persuasive. Unless someone is telling us that the brain is not involved in decision-making, then lead has to be relevant to crime. We had neurotoxins everywhere. Right. We mm-hmm. got rid of those neurotoxins, and people's brains behaved better. I'm wondering, like, that would be visible, right? Because obviously if neurotoxins are around, it's causing the brain damage, so you'd be able to see that on... You know, CT or MRI scans. I wonder if that's something they could actually go back and and I mean check. But I don't. They didn't have like fMRIs back in the yeah. 50s, but or 70s. And basically, the reason why it's going to stay a theory is because you can't poison a bunch of people to see if they become yeah, you, criminals. You, know, you can't do no. a, a so sample like, search. Yeah. And, yeah. So just like a, I know we're kind of going. But over. those results, they carry quite. Quite a bit of weight there. Yeah, yeah. There's some credibility for sure. And I mean, you're getting people who are reputable scientists who are actually saying it, not just Debbie on Facebook. Yeah, Debbie or Ann. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, Ann's usually pretty good, but whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, just a couple of facts. Like, since the be- the banning of leaded gasoline for the major uses in the United States, the average level of lead in the blood of Americans has decreased by over seventy five percent. Like it okay. was in their blood. You know, right. it is in their bodies. So one more thing, since lead is naturally uh, like a naturally occurring heavy metal, it doesn't uh, break down. Okay. So other carcinogens, pesticides, oils, and stuff, it doesn't break down over time. It can't vaporize or disappear, so it'll always stay in the environment. Really, is like no half life of lead? 
No, like, because lead is one of the half-lives of other things. Oh, right. Uranium oh, breaks down. Right. Like, I I don't. It probably, some sort of lead probably breaks down, but I don't know that, so right. I'm just going to say. No. I guess it makes sense. Like, it's a naturally occurring element, so it shouldn't break down, really. Yeah. And just because you feel healthy right now doesn't mean that you don't have lots of lead in you. The signs and symptoms don't show up until the, the accumulation has reached a really, really high dangerous amount. And then all of a sudden you're like, damn. Darn. So you go from being completely normal to like crazy psychopath. Because of the lead in your pants. All of a sudden <laughs> you're seeing butterflies at the factory. Anyway, so that's uh, Let It Fuel. You make up your own decisions. Let it fuel. Hey girl, I want to introduce you to my man Alex Ritchie. He'll teach you everything you need to know about life and the human condition. So I found out that the story I told last week was apparently told the year before by Benton. You know what, sometimes you got to go back and, and just revisit and, well, I've been and working, revamp. I've been working my way through the podcast like from the beginning because I, I do want to make sure that I, I don't step on people's toes and that I, I don't copy people's stories but obviously that that didn't seem to matter so that I completely had to revamp my whole story I was like I don't really want to keep this going and continue a story that someone has already heard of but don't, in case don't feel bad because when I do it I make sure I use different words I think I just copied Ben's exactly yeah no, yeah it was the same document yeah <laughs> oh that's where it came from no um I'll do a really quick recap and then two seconds to talk about it. And then I want to move on to a new one I found, which I think is just as interesting. So uh, it was this was the story about the girl who was, uh, she was an orphan from the Ukraine who had uh, an extremely rare genetic um, condition, like a certain uh, kind of dwarfism. And the family adopted her. Everything was going fine. And then it wasn't. And then they ended up finding out that she was uh, actually a 22-year-old adult who just looked like a child. Anyway. Living in your home. Yeah. Really quick, her side of the story is that these people are like terrible people. She's not, she's like, I'm probably a couple years older than I thought I was, but I'm not 22. I'm not an adult. And um, they actually left her to go to Canada at one point and to, to like live, but they left her with like a, like an apartment, everything paid for, everything and got her set up. And then, but if you think about it, they thought she was like 22, 23 when they did this. So, but she's saying, no, I was nine. It was home alone, though. Yeah. Like, how sweet is that? You're not when you're nine. She had to like pay bills. She had to do all these things. Yeah. (laughs) So, anyways, there's a huge, I mean, this is, you know, it's serious when you go on Dr. Phil. And she was on Dr. Phil with her whole family. So, the parents, because of that, are actually in in jail. They were separated anyway, but they're in jail um, because. Even though she was legally an adult, there was some some combination of events that led it to being like, no, no, you're in jail for essentially child abandonment. So pretty crazy. It's pretty pretty cushy abandonment though. Let's be serious. Yeah, I'm I'm pro abandonment in this case. Not when you're nine. <laughs> She's not nine though. But she's saying that she is, and it's hard to prove. The the sociopathic murderer wannabe is saying she's nine, so that, yeah, there we go, cool. I feel like Ben has always wanted to use the sentence, I'm pro-abandonment in this case. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, finally able to use it. You're welcome. I want to take a hard stance on child abandonment, (laughs) and I'm pro in this case. (laughs) It's the loophole. Yeah. That's one of many reasons you'll never babysit my children. That's fine. I got other things to watch. Yeah. Like television. 
Like Tate Hart game. was Lois Walker? <laughs> Shut up with Lois Walker! It's a good show. She had two. Telltale Town. That was a good one, too. Telltale Town? Yeah, she did. She's, but she'd never color her images to the edge. It, it, she, re, she was a real artist. She, write, she writes uh, like scripts for plays for schools now. So what do you got for us today? Okay, so I got a story about wine. Do you guys enjoy wine? I don't like it when my kids do it. W I N E. Uh, consider child abandonment. I'm hurt. It's all the rage. Can't afford it. <laughs> can't afford yeah. the apartment. Can't, yeah. can't afford the apartment. Well, you just leave. Give them the house. <laughs> so Big W fan of reds. W I N E. Okay, red. I'm more of a white person. White wine person. I like I like white wine. I like, you know what? I like going to the weddings when they leave the carafe of the red and the white, and you get the people like, "Let's get up and dance, Mary," and you're like, "I think they're done with their wine." Yes. And then you, you wind around. up with like twelve carafes in front of you, and like. Yeah. There's always two at this wedding. There's always one kind that no one wants. Mm-hmm. So you always have like all the empty bottles of like a certain like a white and then you're all the reds left. Anyways, the reason why I bring this up is because this is a story about a, a, a famous wine uh, connoisseur. Um, and really quickly, um, we had kind of talked about it, but you know, there are these auctions now for wine and these, these bottles go for an insane amount. Like the most expensive one, which we had told you guys about already, it was a bottle of wine from uh, Burgundy, which is like the east eastern side of France. Really, really exclusive wine. Like if you get like a Burgundy wine, you know you're paying thousands of dollars for a bottle. It's probably red wine. It is red, yeah. Most in, <laughs> in Europe, it's mostly red, truthfully. It's like I feel like most of North America drinks white, but not very many Europeans seem to. This is my experience. Uh, Germans... And Riesling, they're big white. Well, I mean, no. Chardonnay. They, they, they obviously have From France. I don't understand the the face slap thing you do. It's pretty cool though. I like it. It's a French thing. Yeah. Right? Do French people Is slap it? their face? Pepe lepi. I know you. You always <laughs> do the slap face thing. I, I like it. I don't. I don't get it. But <laughs> I saw it in a movie once. I think. Yeah, I think I've I've seen it. Before. It's probably a Robin Williams thing. So it's Fritz Feld, who was an actor who popularized the mouth popping Frenchman. A magnificent little wine. <laughs> that was very good. How do you do that? Oh, monsieur. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, monsieur. <laughs> Don't. Anyway, he played a French maitre d' and he would always slap his face. Yeah, how do you, I like how even in that the clip. That was a strong pop. Even yeah. in the clip, he's like, how did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> like totally broke character yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's impressive. And anyways, I just feel like whenever I went to a grocery store in, in in Italy, especially, it was like you were hard pressed to find a white, and if it was, it was like really cheap compared to the red. Anyways, uh, so, great great white or Kelly's, those are that, those are my favorite. Have you ever had great great white wine? Is it wine? Oh yeah, it, I thought it was like a well, vodka. I always liked well, great white, and then there's a Kelly's. Kelly's is a, a okay. smooth sipping wine with a touch of the old Blarney. But Boone's. Boone's is a step up from <laughs> Kelly's. Really? Yes. Wow. I thought that it was literally t- bottom of the barrel. Tastes like rum and Kool-Aid. Okay. Anyways. Carry on. Uh, sorry. So this one bottle, I mean, th- what's insane about this whole story is even the fact that this story could possibly exist because there are these wine auctions like at Sotheby's, which is like the really famous auctioning place in UK, that go for hundreds of thousands of dollars. For like a this, bottle of wine. For a bottle of wine. So one of the bottles the um, is, it sold for like $560,000 US. 
So whatever that is in Canadian dollars, and it's one bottle. It's like from 1945 in this really, really niche area. So just pretty crazy. So the fact that this exists, the fact that people are willing to spend $560,000 is the reason why this story exists in the first place. So uh, I take it back a little bit just to the early 2000s, so about 20-some years ago. So the auction scene for sought-after vintages began in earnest with the late 1990s advent of the dot-com boom. So early eBay, you essentially, or the equivalent of that, you could get wine and, and you would auction off and buy it. So this is really a story for only the super wealthy, just as a heads up. Mm-hmm. So not long after the turn of the millennium, uh, the rarefied ranks were joined by one man. So the people who were willing to buy the stuff uh, joined by this one guy named Rudy Kurniawan. So he was interesting because he did not meet the the mold of most of the people who were buying these kinds of wine. Uh, he was an Indonesian of Chinese ethnic roots uh, with great English and a really, really deep wine knowledge, which almost like threw people off because he was, he, if you go to Southeast Asia, and again, coming from my experiences, wine isn't really a thing. Like no. it's, it's not really commonly consumed. So what would be the equivalent to wine? In, wine in Europe is the, like you're, you're having, it's your so, preferred drink, your slap face drink. Uh, uh, what would be the preferred drink or like the fancy drink? I guess the fancy drink. Probably. Um, like, and do, they, do they do the champagne thing? Like No, 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 no nothing really bubbly. Um, I, I guess just like common spirits really, or like, like I mean, beer is, but it's not fancy. Like I think of in like China. Like a rum kind of thing? Uh, yeah. Like in China, it would be called a uh, baijiu which is like a, like a rice, technically it's a rice wine. So there's like lots of those kinds of things, but like sake, right? Like that yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. stuff yeah. is, is, is expensive. Exactly. Um, but in Indonesia, I, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a Muslim country. So even there, you know, alcohol isn't overly predominant. Like you can get it. They have it there for sure, but it's not huge. Like it is mm-hmm. in China. It's mostly like in, in Southeast Asia beer and stuff. So anyways, so the, the reason why I bring this up is because it was like, shocking like this guy he he wasn't from an area that you would you know you think of like a sommelier you think of someone from you know france italy etc this was like this indonesian guy of chinese ethnic roots yeah he did grow up like in the states but his family is mostly based in jakarta in indonesia anyways so he had this great wine knowledge and he was according to everyone else just like a geeky kid who really enjoyed drinking merlot with other people so, as one veteran collector recalls, uh, he really did quickly develop a taste for Burgundy. So, that's the wine I talked about before. The region of wine, mm-hmm. I should say. So, Burgundies are, like, the the exceptionally expensive ones. There's a couple other ones you can get, like, from the States, which are, are um, very, very pricey as well, too. But if you're looking for, like, the expensive kinds To of- be clear, we're talking about... Over one hundred thousand dollars for a bottle. Over so, eighty thousand. So if you're going for hundred, you can get them for a hundred thousand dollars, but that's going to be uh, wines from like a long time ago, like okay. a, a bit more rare. If you're to buy one now, it's probably still like a couple hundred dollars. Okay, right. So and again, that of course varies depending on the vineyard you're buying it from. But the problem is with this area is it's a great area for growing wine, but it's a very small area. So there's not really opportunities to actually expand on these vineyards. So like the one that went for $560,000, the reason why it was so expensive is because one was from 1945, one it was the brand, the the vineyard itself is known for making incredible wine. 
but also they can only produce so many bottles because they cannot grow. It's like they're everything just, is a limited edition. Ex- yeah. Exactly, every bottle you get is a limited edition because the area they just can't produce the amount of wine that other places can. Like when you think of like Okanagan Valley or mm-hmm. you know Napa in the in the states where you can just produce thousands and thousands of bottles a day. Anyways, so that was kind of interesting for these people because this random guy just all of a sudden became the master of the Burgundy wine. Like he knew everything about it and he was grabbing up all of these bottles of Burgundy wine as fast as he possibly could. Um, so he was gregarious and he was super generous with his extensive cellar. So he would routinely have these parties and be buying up these like, thousands and thousands of dollars of, of, of wine in one night. So he would go to these auctions, spend sometimes like almost a million dollars on wine, bring it back to his cellars, and then actually get people to come over and drink it. That'd be awesome. He's just like, you're at the auction. He buys it all. He's like, now party at my place. Everybody come over. <laughs> Basically, that's what it was, right? People were like, they just couldn't believe it. But he, no one really is exactly sure of where his wealth came from. They do believe that he did have a, a lot of family connections in Jakarta where you know his family was wealthy. So he kind of, just inherited a lot of the money that way. But, I mean, obviously, if you're doing that, he became really popular. Like, people were going over to his house. If you were able to get to one of his parties, then you were considered in. It was the who's who. It was the who's who, exactly, of, of these wine parties. And became, like, so famous that people in, in Hollywood themselves were coming over to these parties or wanting to get invites to these parties to try these incredibly rare wines. It became, like, a full event to like crack open a bottle of wine that potentially cost a hundred thousand dollars wow jeez! right and sometimes he'd have two or three bottles of these wines and just like all night long that's all you're drinking is these incredibly fancy red wines from burgundy so um people are still not quite sure like we said where he came from but because of what he was doing, because he was getting everyone so excited about these wines and he was happily spending all this money on other people, no one really cared. Like everyone just kind of said, whatever, he's, if he's willing to open a, you know, I'm having a glass of wine that theoretically costs $2,000, I don't care what's going on. Yeah. Right? Like if I get a glass of wine that's like 25 bucks, I'm like, oh, I'm spending money tonight. Yeah, if I spent twenty five bucks on a bottle, I'm like, man, I'm treating myself exactly. Nice. Oh my god, buy a Luckett's. I'm like, whoo, okay, yeah. got paid today. Anytime I'm not <laughs> slurping it out of a can, I feel like I'm classic. You know what I mean? Actually, canned wine's coming back. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. Is That's it? a thing. Yeah, canned wine. All a lot of um, a lot of people are drinking the canned wine now. They buy a six pack of canned wine. What if we did a Barncast uh, wineries, but we did it like mini sips, like only bags. Ooh, wine. little bags. Oh, I like that. Like yeah. a Capri Sun. And we could sell it well, for no, tuna. It's, it's a clear plastic bag that you bite and you just suck out. Oh, that thing. I was thinking more like mini a sips chubby. PEI? Mini sips? You didn't oh. do mini sips? It's all right. I, I think I need to see it. It's yeah. a juice bag. It's, it's, it's a clear plastic sack of juice that you bite and suck down. Yeah, it was terrible for the environment. <laughs> I, I really... And if you had sounds, the, if like the picture green, bagged milk... Yeah, shrink it down and put sugar water in it. Give it to a bunch of kids, yeah. and it's the best thing in the world. And if you have a green or a yellow, it would give you this wicked phlegm in the back of your throat. You wouldn't no, be able to swallow. So I maybe we had this. I think we, if anyone got them, I think it was, they came from over, like overseas. Overseas. Okay, so so over the strait. Okay, try this one. Did you know that Neil Diamond wrote the song "Red Red Wine"? I did. Okay, good. 
See, I knew we I know, could get you with one. Bottle of red, bottle of white. Anyways, we could do that. We could do like canned Billy, Billy wine, barn cast canned wine. Someday. Someday. Anyways, so as he was buying up all of this wine and keeping this like extensive cellar, it got to the point where he started wanting to get involved in the actual auctioning process. So what he started to do was he started he, selling his actual he wine. off his own. Auctioning off his, his own like, wine. Why am I giving it all away when I, I could be selling it? I could be the auction guy. So that's what he was doing. He was buying all this wine and he would buy it like at prices that people couldn't believe. Like he actually caused essentially like a mini wine bubble essentially mm-hmm. where it, the, the he, cost of this wine kept going up and up he kept exactly he kept saturating the market so much that it it, it caused every bottle of wine to skyrocket so of course these vineyards were like sweet this is awesome because mm-hmm. they were po- pocketing the money so when that happened when it got to like the highest point it could that's when he decided, okay, this is the best time for me to start selling. So he would come up with, he'd be able to find all of these incredibly rare wines. He would go to Europe. Yeah, he would go basement. to, he would go, well, he would go to Europe. He would go to Asia, United States, all of these places to get these fancy wines. He's and the Indiana Jones of wine. Kind of, yeah. This belongs in my cellar. Exactly. <laughs> it's like the opposite so, of Indiana Jones. <laughs> Swings in through the window. Yeah. sure (laughs) taking it real seriously um but essentially when that happened when he got to the point of him inflating this market that is when people started to be a little suspicious and not happy with him because at that point prior to this it was almost like a little club of people like essentially rich white guys who were like we we enjoy this. this is our thing like you, you, you can't mm-hmm. come in here and essentially take over and and run the entire market essentially. So when that did happen, when he started selling it, people got a little suspicious. Of like, okay, how how is this happening? Like, how are you finding these wines that nobody else could possibly find? But again, because he was he was so gregarious, everyone really liked him. No one really thought anything of it. Like what other mean, people didn't think it. Sounds it, like a wicked manipulation we're listening to right now. He's 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 a smart guy. Yep. Okay. So he essentially, and other people said, he almost single-handedly revolution revolutionized the entire market of these high-end wine auctions, which sounds like nothing. But so between 2003 and 2006, more than 35 million dollars in bottles of wine were sold from his wine cellar. So in three years, he made 35 million dollars off off of selling. His own wine that, one he, that he already owned. That he, he had already owned. That was a good turn. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, he did spend some money, but he definitely didn't spend $35 million worth of money. So, two years later, at the Manhattan Restaurant Crew, um, somebody else had to sell, proffering some of his rarest wine. So, this other company decided to hold another sale off of his like rarest of the rare wines that people were easily spending the same $500,000 or up. On a single bottle of wine. So that lot included uh, the coveted Domaine Ponceau Clos Saint-Denis from the years 1945, 1949, and 1966. So 1945, obviously we know because end of World War II, mm-hmm. but it was also apparently a really good growing year for Burgundy wines. So it's like a double Double edge. great year, you know, end of <laughs> World War II, great year for the grapes. Good. Yeah. So that makes this wine extra expensive. The only problem was is that this kind of came about later is the people who own that company and own that vineyard were like, um, 
We didn't start making that kind of wine until 1982. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Crazy wine scam. <laughs> yeah. So that was like, okay, wait a minute. That's but, a headline. Yeah, that, that's an important thing. So what happened after that is when that kind of came about and that knowledge and people found out about this, he immediately was like, I got scammed. Like, how is this a possible thing? Like, I bought it from here. So he's playing the victim? So a thousand percent he's playing the victim. Um, that didn't play overly well, though, because it just seemed too confusing and too conspicuous. Convenient. So, oh, like... Easy peasy. Yeah. So Planned, beca- even. because of this happening, and because these there was these astronomical sales that were happening as well, there were a couple of people in that industry who went on a personal crusade of cracking down on fraudulent wine, right? And on fake wine. Now, this is a legitimate thing. Like, I know when I was in China, fake booze absolutely is, is a thing. Like, I, the hangovers from a fake booze is way worse than one from real alcohol, right? Okay. Oh, yeah. There was, I mean, they, they had a lot of fake everything. Fake eggs, fake rice, all that stuff. <laughs> How do you fake an egg? Like, is it like... Powdered like scrambled egg or no no like a hard so boiled egg shell. It looks like an egg. What's yeah. it made out of? Um, different components, but it's just not. It's not a real egg. If it looks like one, same as rice. It's almost like little pieces of plastic. <laughs> you, you're saying that, like, and I wish our listeners could see his face because he's he's got this conviction of like, yeah, seriously, it's real. Yeah, and and I believe you, but it's remarkable. Yeah, we had. Um, at, at one of the at the school I was working at, there was a big uproar with some of the um, parents because they felt like they thought we were serving some of the kids fake eggs, and because the the because the um, the yolk on a hard boiled egg had turned like grayish green ish, and everyone's like, okay, but that also just happens if you boil an egg for too long. Yeah, <laughs> so we had to convince oh, them that the school you're paying thousands of dollars is not serving your children fake. Okay, so I'm sorry. I no offense. I find this more interesting than the other guy. Uh, can I just say how they make it? Sure. All right. So um, these Chinese fake eggs. So you prepare. To be them. clear, we're not talking like Cadbury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they prepare a mold, <laughs> then they mix the right amount of resin, starch, coagulant, and pigments to make eggs white. And they add sodium alginate extracted from brown algae gives uh, the egg white and wanted viscosity. And then. Then add the fake egg yolk, which is a different mixture of resin and pigments. Once the proper shape is achieved, an amalgam of paraffin wax, gypsum powder, and calcium carbonate makes a shell. That sounds way harder than buying a chicken. I was just saying <laughs> that. I was thinking what are you, thing? cooking meth? Like, that sounds really tricky. Just make eggs. And then they're selling them six cents cheaper on the dozen or whatever. Yeah. Like, You must just be literally mass, mass producing these things. Right. So, like, do you get sick if you eat them? I never had one. I don't like egg to begin with. I definitely got sick very... <laughs> I got very, very sick from fake booze, though. Absolutely. And you could always, like... You just... You went out knowing you were consuming fake booze. I'm, I'm drinking paint tonight. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Like, every bar you went to, every... Like, the only things you could really be like, okay, I'm pretty sure this is fine, was, like, beer. Because beer was just too cheap. Like, yeah. I don't think they could make that even cheaper, like a tall boy, 50 cents. Right? Oh, yeah, super cheap there. But if you were like, oh, I'm buying this bottle of Bacardi, you'd be like, yeah, no, that's definitely not. It's not that's not Bacardi. Bacardi. No. I mean, the bottle is, but the stuff inside it is 100% not. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, knowing that bit of information, the, mm-hmm. the thought that someone is faking 
incredibly expensive wine is totally plausible. It's completely plausible. Yeah. Right. That, that makes sense. Cause I mean, I was buying fake bottles of Bacardi for $20. You know what I mean? Obviously if you can sell fake wine for thousands and thousands of dollars, that can totally be a thing. So, uh, one of the people who was like really, really interested in trying to crack down on this was, uh, Laurent Ponceau, who was one of the people who was like, uh, that domain Ponceau does, wasn't made till 1982. So his family was like his vineyard in Burgundy is very well known as being extremely reputable and like one of the best in the entire world. So another person was a billionaire collector called Bill Koch, uh, who was really pissed off when he found out that several million of wine that he bought all counterfeit completely counterfeit so he bought like several million dollars worth of wine that was all fake nice looked like it smelled like it tasted like it fake all right this kind of this now we enter the question of tastes like it (laughs) smelled like it walks like a duck talks like a duck yep well yeah i mean the point is kind of like where like at this point you're you're just it's worth whatever people will pay for it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you've been slugging down $500,000 wine saying, mm, this is so good all the time, and it's been just regular, you know, California red. For, yeah. Like, bo- it kind, kind of, of a box of just It shows red the wine. bullshit of the nature of this entire kind yes. of snobby yeah. industry. And the same with art, like, where a painting is only worth what someone's willing to pay for. Yes. I mean, obviously, there's great art, but, like, you know... It's it's weird how subjective these these things yeah, are. And totally, people just try to outdo each other and then inflate this worth yeah. to something. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and I mean, yeah, obviously this this eventually got back to it because they realized that a lot of the wine that turned out to be counterfeit was all coming from Rudy's particular cellar. So, with the advent of the fact that they're like, okay, this one bottle, these three bottles you bought, obviously are fake because they weren't even made in. Till 20 that years era. afterwards. Yeah. And then all this other wine, which had the right label, had everything on it, was done. That was coming up fake because they could tell that this wasn't made back in the year that they said that it was. Like, you can you can essentially carbon date it. I can't remember the exact process that they used, but you, you can determine the age of a wine. So, mm-hmm. in uh, November tw- 2012, many more suspicious details emerged. So, FBI actually raided Rudy's house. And when they were Ooh. there, they found... Bags brimming with old corks, pristine labels bundled up like currency, and recipes for faking aged Bordeaux. Mommy. The cats out of the bag. Yes. So, yeah, it turned out that the scores of bottles from Kurniawan's uh, cellar had been produced not by the acclaimed Chateau, but by himself. Upwards of what they think, 15,000 bottles. Just crushing it. Yeah. So here's the thing, though, that people got really like suspicious of. They were saying that to get a, one individual bottle of wine to meet the standards, that it would be acceptable to think that, okay, this is actually one of these incredibly rare bottles of wine, would take at least, as a minimum, one hour. So for him to make 15,000 of these, that means it took 15,000 hours. Which, I mean, they say to master one individual thing is 10,000 hours alone, right? So the likelihood is obviously he, pro- mm-hmm. he would have produced more that 
than this. So this is the one thing that they were like, okay, something more, more to is, this. There's more to this. They still, according to this information, don't have everything produced. But they did determine that everything that Rudy had done, complete fabrication. He was very wealthy, without a, like, without a doubt. Like, he, he was able to buy, like, all these wine to begin with. But when they raided the, one of his, like, apartments, essentially, that he had, they found out that he was, like, living, you know, on a cot, essentially, like, or on the couch. It was really run down where he was doing this. Um, they found out that, you know, he was pretending to live this huge life of luxury. He was Gatsby-esque, when in truth, he needed that those sales to go through to fund the actual bottles of wine that he was buying. So basically, he should have got a job. Yep. He was on a treadmill. <laughs> yep. But, I mean, at least he uh, screwed over some rich people and showed how foolish this industry is. Yeah. So... A couple of years ago, he was actually the first person ever in the United States to be convicted of wine fraud. Ooh, it's about time. Yeah. <laughs> I was Woo-hoo. hoping for more wine fraud. I'm sure there's going to be more out there. More child abandonment and more wine fraud, I think, will make this world I feel good. like those two things cushy. go together. Both have to be very cushy yeah. and safe for the victim. <laughs> so he's actually serving right now a 10-year sentence in California because of the wine fraud that he did. And part of me is like, ah, he deserves it. But part of me is also like, he screwed over a bunch of ultra, ultra rich people. Yeah. Like, it's not like he's, you know, taken away from these people who, like, if you can buy millions of dollars of wine, you're Where probably Where did the money fine. go, though? Like, like, I know that it's going to cost him to create his fake wines, but... He's making $35 million, like, and he's sleeping on a cot. Like, where did this... this yeah. had to, some of it had to go. Maybe he sent it home to Jakarta, you know? Who knows? So there was some of that, and, I mean, he still did have a whole, like, very expensive home as well, too, but he only used that home... For entertainment. For entertainment. Like, he didn't live there because he couldn't afford, really, the upkeep. He basically, whenever there was going to be a party, when he knew he was going to entertain people there, clean it bring stuff in, do whatever he needed to do to make it look like he lived there. But, I mean, people never went upstairs to the bedrooms. No one, like, he only did the entertaining areas to make sure that he, he gave the illusion that this is where he he, he lived. And, yeah. yeah. So pretty crazy. The first person in the United States and essentially North American history to ever be convicted of wine fraud. Maybe more common in Italy. Who knows? Yeah. Prego. I like it. Alrighty, folks, I want to thank you for coming along on this great episode full of fake eggs and mashed potato ice cream. So don't forget to check us out on Apple Podcasts. Maybe leave us a like and review. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Send us a line on something that you like, something you don't like, or something you want to hear about in the future. Good night. <laughs>